If you're ready to share, if you're generous in giving, you are making the best possible investment. You are storing up a rich, eternal treasure that we can't begin to describe. He says, storing up a rich treasure of a good foundation for the future. You'll take hold of that which is life indeed. Life isn't a bigger house. Life isn't more acreage. Life isn't the just the right furnishings in that one room we haven't finished yet. Life isn't ability to retire in your 40s or 50s or 60s. Life indeed is living life in touch with the Savior, living as He lived, giving of yourself, ready to share, eager for the opportunity. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Giving with Liberality. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Uh, these Macedonian churches, they gave out of deep poverty, and they gave liberally. They gave with generosity. We're to be marked by this word, liberality. The very opposite of stingy. The very opposite of hoarding. The very opposite of, well, you know, piling up wealth and putting yourself first. And you get your own house in order to make sure you've got your retirement and everything in place. And then give. No, the opposite of that. If you're going to give, give with Christ-like generosity. That's what he said. Turn over to First uh, Timothy for a minute. First Timothy 6. You know, at the end of First Timothy, Paul gave Timothy some instruction as to how to instruct those who are rich. And I'm instructing today those who are rich, and I include myself, as I look at us, as I look at the culture we live in, as I look at history, as I look at the rest of the world, we're rich, okay? Here's what the Bible says. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited, or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. You know something? God has blessed you. You say, praise God, I got a raise, or praise God, the market went up again, I hardly know what to do with it all. I know for some of you it's true, and for some of the others you wish it were. <laughs> I'm in the latter camp, but you know what I'm saying. He says, look out for something. Don't become conceited. Or start to fix your hope on the uncertainty of riches. We are prone to say, I'm pretty well set. I've got this in order. And our hope starts to be fixed on our bank accounts or the mutual fund or the pension plan. Only three more years and I'll be set. We start to think that way. He says, instruct them not to think that way. We tend toward pride and conceit and a baseless hope. In fact, the uncertainty of riches. Jesus called it in Matthew 13, the deceitfulness of riches. Watch out. I was listening to one of the athletic types, you know, in the sports page saying, well, it's not for the money. He said, although I do want security. And for me, that means, and he told you what security meant for him. And it's what it means for everybody, it seems like. A multi-year contract with a lot of dough so that he can get himself secure. That's not security. That's not certain. That's the uncertainty of riches. You who've got money, all of us, 
Don't start fixing your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but look at verse 17, on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. If God has given us these things, He gave them to us, and therefore ours to enjoy and to use. Verse 18, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, rich in generosity, ready to share. Does that describe you and me? Ready. Don't make them ask and beg. Look for opportunities to give to the Lord. Think of what we could do as a congregation if we weren't limited. And we wouldn't be limited if we would be ready to share as individuals. If we would be rich not in our bank accounts and in our hoarding and in our pensions and in our everything else, but rich in generosity. That's what he says to do. That's what he says to do. Storing up, look at verse 19. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. I'll tell you what, if you're ready to share, if you're generous in giving you are making the best possible investment. You are storing up a rich, eternal treasure that we can't begin to describe. He says, storing up a rich treasure of a good foundation for the future. You'll take hold, look at verse 19, take hold of that which is life indeed. Real life. Life isn't a bigger house. Life isn't more acreage. Life isn't the just the right furnishings in that one room we haven't finished yet. Life isn't a newer car. Life isn't ability to retire in your 40s or 50s or 60s. Life indeed is living life in touch with the Savior, living as He lived, giving of yourself, ready to share, eager for the opportunity. Let Him who gives give with liberality. I'll tell you what, a nicer car, a newer house, more acreage, nicer clothes, staying right up with this, being able to buy the latest gadgets. Listen, don't misunderstand me. There's nothing inherently wrong with things. Look at verse 17. He said, these are things which God richly supplies us to enjoy. When we talk about giving, it ought not to be one big guilt trip of how much God has blessed us. No, unless we're hoarding it, unless we're letting that become our focus, then we should be guilty. But if we're rightly thinking about how we can use it to be generous in good works, it becomes life indeed. And the most joyous, fulfilled, happy, and oftentimes blessed materially Christians are those who are giving and are a conduit for the gospel's sake, who are eager and ready to share. Now, if that language is foreign to you, let me encourage you, this could be the day when there's a sea change, you know, a real course change in your life, you could find the joy of really becoming one whom God uses in this ministry of giving. Turn over back to 2 Corinthians again, chapter 8 and 9. And let me encourage you to read these on your own sometime. But let me just uh, tell you that real life for the Christian is giving. It's giving with simplicity. It's not for show. 
It's not for man's glory, it's for God's glory. And there's a joyous, generous liberality to it. And uh, let me just read these verses, starting at verse 6 of chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. Now he's drawing an agricultural analogy. And he's going to talk about sowing and harvesting, you know, planting and taking in the crop. So he says, let me tell you this, he who sows, he who plants sparingly, a little bit here, a little bit there, will have a weak, wimpy harvest. But he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Therefore, let each one do just as he's purposed in his heart. By the way, giving is to come from the heart. And he never gives a rule. He never says, I want 10% in the New Testament. There were tithes in the Old Testament. And by the way, I think that's a good place to start. If God has lavished on us, the least we can do is give 10% back, it seems. But he never makes that into a rule. In fact, he says, do as you've purposed in your heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God wants this to be the natural response. We sing, oh, at the cross, Jesus died for me. And we read 11 chapters of Romans and we say, from him and through him and to him are all things. I want to put my life at, dis at his disposal. And is it 10%? Is that before taxes or after? <laughs> That's kind of weird, isn't it? It seems to me to think that way. By the way, of course it's before taxes. <laughs> you know, you want to give as much as possible. He loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now watch this and watch what I'm saying. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. When you give, God gave it to you anyway, it's His. We know that. But if we act on it and give it back, He says He'll not only give you more as you take that seed and sow it, He'll not only give you enough to make your own bread, to take care of your own needs, but He'll give you an abundant harvest. And farmers know that. If you just said, I might need this grain, I'm not going to plant any next year, or I'm just going to plant one acre, well, you'll have a small crop. But just take what you need to eat and get the rest out on the farm and watch the abundance come. And He says that. And then if we'll be using it as we'll be like a conduit, God is not lacking resources. He's looking for those of us who will give. As He gives to us, we'll give it on out. He'll keep giving. In fact, He'll multiply our seed. And that's why I call this a conduit kind of thinking. You and I can be pipelines for God, but so often we say, we better save this. This is pretty neat that He's blessed us. And we put it over here and we start hoarding it instead of giving it. He says, no, plant big and you'll get a bigger product. You'll get a bigger harvest. You'll get both what you need and you'll be, you know, give overflowing with joy. That's the tone of the New Testament. Now, let me just uh, give you some do's and don'ts here that I think characterize when he says, he who gives with liberality, with sincerity, with a generosity. And I think it's sometimes good to just think practically do's and don'ts. Don't. Be self-congratulatory. Do. Be humbled. 
that God has given you anything that you can give back to Him. Do be humbled that He's entrusted wealth to you. Don't be patting yourself on the back for what you've given. Don't be satisfied with what you're giving. Be eager to excel still more. Don't limit, limit giving to tithing. Uh, if you're giving 5%, give 10%. But if you're giving 10%, seek to give more. Give 15%. Aim, have goals. This is investing for eternity. This is what God has done for us, us getting the chance to do for others, to give of our resources so that they might hear the gospel. If you're giving 20%, why not give 40%? Many of us in this culture could give huge percentage and barely adjust our current lifestyle because we've got so much being hoarded up for our security. The very thing Jesus said, listen, I'll take care of you. Live one day at a time in Matthew 6 when he talked about this. Scott, are you talking about being reckless? Well, talk to Jesus about it, not me. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a bank account or a retirement or a pension or anything else. I'm saying, beware of fixing your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Don't be a clogged conduit. Do sow bountifully. Plant big time. Spend your money on that which lasts for eternity. I tell you, God will give you more and you will be blessed for all eternity, not just in time, but in eternity. Don't be stingy, be sacrificial in your thinking. Don't be reluctant. Ah, oh, here's another sermon on giving. We had one four years ago, too. I looked. <laughs> no, be eager. It's not giving with liberality when you say, ah, oh, yeah, here's the church again asking for money. That's not a Christian attitude, i got to tell you. The Christian attitude says, God gave me everything. I want to give back to Him again. Don't be coerced by men. Don't be coerced by me or anybody else. God loves a cheerful giver. Be thoughtful. He died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who although He was rich... Yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Think. Don't be coerced except by the Holy Spirit. And then I would say be coerced. But he comes in a joyous and gentle way, and he might prod. But I'll tell you what, when you respond, and you know this in other areas of your life, when you do what God is telling you to do through his word, there is joy. There is freedom. There is the last, it's the farthest thing from the kind of legalistic, okay, I guess I will. It's a necessary evil, but I don't like it. No, there's a joy in giving. Don't let Satan lie to you regarding life indeed. I love that phrase in Timothy. You instruct the rich to lay hold, to take hold of life indeed. What does Satan say? Life, real living, is if you could just retire earlier or if you could just get that car with the, all the options you've been studying or if we could just get the new carpet with the right furniture, that'd be life. That's a lie of Satan. Don't let him lie regarding things. Don't let him lie regarding the church. 
money-grubbing institution always asking for more? That's a satanic lie. Oh, I know there's abuse. I know there are churches like that. But listen, you listen to God and His Word. Don't let Satan lie to you regarding life. Indeed. Don't let him lie to you about God. God's a killjoy. He is not. He gave Himself. He is for you. You put yourself at His disposal. You put your money at His disposal. And you will not be a sour, negative, legal kind of a Christian. You will be a joyous, abundantly blessed believer. That's what God says. Take God's Word on it, not Satan's. Realize that God is the truthful one. Don't keep your spouse from giving. Be thankful that you have a husband that has the picture. Or be thankful, men, that your wife understands what Jesus Christ has done for her and desires to give and get together on the giving side instead of on the negative, well, we got to keep it side. Don't thoughtlessly leave your wealth to the kids. <laughs> I mean it. Most of us are going to end with a net worth of what? And what's it going to do? Well, most people just kind of, well, I'm going to protect it from the government. Well, do that. <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> they don't need any more. I'll tell you that. But God's work, go forward. Don't just thoughtlessly corrupt your children. I mean, you know, you think about it, how often that happens. And don't just leave it to the church either. Give it. <laughs> I mean it. I, I see nowhere in the Scripture where posthumous giving is rewarded. When you're no longer needed, whoever can have it, you know, you're out of here. Give it now. Watch over it. Husband, watch what it does. Pray for it after it goes. Now, give it to it. I mean, I think it might be wiser to give it to the Lord in death than to your kids, or at least have some balance there. Don't just thoughtlessly let the inheritance just continue to create estate problems and things and, and corrupt children. No, think on all these things. Uh, we've been blessed with unprecedented wealth. I wonder if we're giving with liberality. And I say all this with total non you know, knowledge. I'm ignorant of what you give. But I know, I know how many of us there are. And I know how much we have to work with for the gospel's sake. And I'm kind of embarrassed when I think of what God has called us to and what He's given to us. And I'll tell you, missionaries wait here Missionaries go out and they make not only the sacrifice of living overseas and going without, but they don't even know if they've got the right funding or not. And we say in our abundance, that's good. That's the way to trust the Lord. As we're not trusting the Lord in giving. We sit on things like the gospel. We're doing some things, but we could do so much more. I think of the ultimate question and the responses we're getting as we start to broadcast that gospel on the radio and through video mailings and getting it to people. But we could do so much more if we had some resources. And you might look and say, well, we've got a lot here. We have, but I'll tell you what, I've been on that church council for 21 years, and I've watched the men carefully husband the lack of resources and how much could be done and so often how vision gets squelched because there's not resources, it seems. Are we giving with liberality? I'm confident, I mean very confident, that our giving as a congregation could double easily. Easily. And 
I'm afraid, sadly, and this is the wrong way to put it, but I'm afraid that it could do that with very little adjustment of lifestyle. I mean, we wouldn't even be getting into sacrificial in many cases in any way, shape, or form. No, I say, let he who gives give with liberality. Those who do so will know the joy, the freedom, the eternal reward. You won't know them by the buildings named after them. You won't know them by the way they throw their financial clout around. That's the opposite of sincerity and simplicity. You won't know them by how much. Those who have the gift of giving, you won't know them by how much. It's not that the wealthy are the givers. In fact, most missionaries find that out the hard way. They think, oh, well, that certainly. And they find that their faithful giving comes from a different direction than they thought. No, it's not how much you have, it's how much you give. That's the issue. And Jesus looked at that widow and he said, she gave more than all these high rollers or cutting big checks. She gave everything she had. And she gave just a little bit, you remember. God will honor that. And I'll tell you, you probably just won't know them because they'll do it anonymously. (laughs) People who give with liberality and with simplicity and sincerity are not looking for credit They just do so. And so I know that I speak to a group this size. I know some of you could better give this sermon than me because you know all about simple giving and generous giving because you're doing it. And we ought not forget that, but I speak to all of us. And in fact, those who are giving the most, those who are really zealously giving, do not resent an exhortation on giving. They enjoy it. Uh, If you're giving and you're saying, you know, this is already true in my life, then I know that you're sitting there saying, yes, I need to excel still more. But it's those who are stingy, the opposite of giving, who say, oh boy, here we go again. (laughs) No, it's really uh, not something that you'll know much about. Don't, let me give you one more don't and do. (laughs) Don't miss out. Jesus Christ said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do take hold of that which is life indeed. Do give with liberality. Do be rich in generosity. Do honor your Savior who bought you with His own blood by putting yourself and your money at His disposal. And if you don't know Christ, don't listen to anything I've said. (laughs) If you're here without Christ... Don't try to give God anything. You've got nothing to give Him. You accept what He gave you. He sent His Son for you. You receive Jesus Christ. You say, well, I must have to do something. No, that is the gospel we're celebrating today. He gave His Son for you. But Christian, don't miss out. You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Giving with Liberality, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans 
that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times, and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.net. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to the new site and check it out? There'll be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.net. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. I love the way Peter, as a leader in the church, he doesn't lord it over those allotted to his charge, and he calls us not to either. There might have been a day when he would have been brash and cocky and thrown his weight around, and maybe if he'd had a title, used it. But that's not Peter after he's walked with the Lord for a while. I'm a leader, he says. I'm just a fellow elder. I'm a, I exhort the leaders among you, the elders among you, as your fellow elder. And as I look back, I do everything I do in light of what Christ did on the cross and the fact that he's coming back. I live in light of Christ. He says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Not under compulsion. Leadership that says, well, I guess I better do this, isn't leadership of diligence. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings the message titled, Leading with Diligence. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 